can hear me now, right? I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. <laughs> Ways nothing. Oh man. Hey, listen. This is this is version a two, a four, eight. Now, if I had my act together, what I would have done. This is the old computer. What I had been using up until this week was a Wong Duty computer, which I had to send back. So. Uh, I knew there would be some hiccups and some bumps. I was more focused on getting the. Uh, um, I was more focused on getting the Substack uh, right for reasons that will be uh, made obvious pretty soon. But if you can hear me now, all we screwed up was the intro, and you know what I say: the Huntington Beach, the hitting the car with the hammer, the uh, shooting you to death in a nightclub, uh, as well as the song being sung by Stigmata off the record, "Calling of the Just." Intro, All of Nothing is a song. Here we are, version a two, a four, eight of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper and me being the host, Eugene S. Robinson. For those of you who watch at work, you probably had some a peace of mind and the kid is taking a nap now, so I can't scream anyway. So uh, um, uh, let's go back just a little bit. If, you, if, if, you've read, if you've read the description of the show, you know I'm going to talk about Bruce Campbell. Well, uh, 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 just in case Bruce Campbell is listening, I had to get it in there early because I know you don't want to listen to the whole show, Bruce. I had to get it in there early. But let, let, let's go back a little bit. Okay. So uh, we've had some upsetting past few days. Not going to delve into that. It's not going to be especially dark show, despite the Substack. I, I know many of you, it's about three minutes before going live with the Substack and starting the show. I imagine many of you haven't haven't had a chance to to uh, to listen to the show. But let me tell you what precipitated the substack, and and this ties into the MMA portion that comes up later. I do these like ragas. You know I'm good for it. Stick with me. So um, they keep showing us this video, right? Or they keep wanting to show us this video of uh, of the kid. Uh, uh, where's my uh, deal? Uh, of the kid, the school bus fight in Florida. Tom DeBlas, who generally I love. Um, on uh, Instagram, jujitsu guy is you know saying this is terrible. He's in, been in contact with the family, um, and, and he is right, and he is right. Uh, it is terrible, and he's been in touch with the family to get the daughter uh, 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 some jujitsu lessons. Have somebody, an affiliate associate nearby, lifetime paid for, sponsored by him, which is great. Um, I also, as a father of four da- daughters, you know that this would be a murdering offense if any of my kids were involved, right? Like I'm going to school, I'm killing the kid, I'm killing the parents, I'm killing until killing doesn't exist anymore. That's just, that's just me. I, I tend to be one of the fly off the guy handles, flies off the, off the handles guy. So um, apropos of that, let's step back a little bit. I go to rehearse for the Red Room Orchestra. The Red Room Orchestra did, uh, as part of a San Francisco uh, a Sketch Fest, comedy generally is big comedy events like the Comedy South by Southwest in San Francisco, which has had an especially good, you know, history with with comedy. They do this festival, the Sketch Fest, and the Red Room Orchestra typically does takes film and they act the film out on stage. You do live music. It's generally a fun thing. And I did, uh, I did uh, the big Lebowski at outside lands, which is a big festival with them. I did a tribute to Dr. John. That was the first thing I did whereby they had never worked with me before. Just want to make sure that I am sane. 
I'm saying that's it. Basic before they get in any deep. These these people are all they all have wiki pages like daga 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 daga. And I start to think, how come I don't have a wiki page? I got an Oxbow wiki page. How come I go? I know because then I have to write it, and I got too much stuff to do to write my own wiki page. So um, one of you started. I, I will contribute, but I, I don't have time. So um, so this one is going to be for Repo Man. They got Alex Cox, the original director there. They got Xander Schloss, who who played Kevin in the movie, but also wrote uh, did all the soundtracks. Got onto a great career as a soundtrack guy. Got Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall. All these people. So I go to uh, to uh, rehearsal uh, and, uh, you know, I want to hang out. Ruby's down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Them's one of my rules. So I want to uh, Ruby's down for the for uh, a few days. Uh, uh, she and her girlfriend are down. So I said, OK, look, why don't you guys hang out with me? Why don't you hang out with me? You come to rehearsal. It'll be a fun father and son time. Father, son, father and daughter time. We could spend some time together. It'd be cool. She goes, cool. We drive up to the city. You know, we park, we park in some homeless encampment. It's it not really a homeless encampment. There's some homeless guy in front of us. And uh, we walk across. And it's impossible to cross. This is like on 16th Street in Harrison, right? It's very difficult to cross there. And I just go at a certain point, you know, my leg, I have surgery scheduled for February 24th. You know, my leg is like, gamey. I just kind of hobbled. The cars are coming, but they have a red light on the other side of me. So I know they have to slow down anyway. So what the hell? It's 20 feet for them to slow down. They can slow down for me. We get across and we get to the front door. And as we as we as we get across the front door, <laughs> you know, a car slows down and they start screaming invective at us. Now, listen, if you read the fight book, you know where I'm going with this. There's only one time that a grown adult male gets shit on the street. He's well dressed. He's in a couple or he's in a hurry. Because they know instinctively you're not going to take the time. You know who doesn't get fucked with very often? Solo single men, because nobody knows what you're going to do. So we get across, we hurl invective. Now, I'm not proud of this moment. In fact, I'm bringing it up very specifically because I'm not proud of this moment. And this is apropos of the Florida thing, so it all ties in. I wheel around. It's not like I planned this. I wheel around. And I'm flipping the double birds, and I'm like, you can blow it out. I go full New York. And it wasn't like I had planned this. This is, you're talking to a guy who never cursed in front of his kids. Never cursed in front. I, I talked to Harley Flanagan from the Cro-Mags. He'd call me, and he'd be talking. His kids would be in the background. He'd be, motherfucker this, motherfucker. I'd be appalled. I love Harley, like a brother. But I was like, man, you could tell, hey, bro, tighten up the language around the kids. It's, so I'm just, more, more. and then they, they, I turn around to ring the bell again, because I'm conscious. I want to get the kids out of there. You know, I don't, I, and my, my conscious brain is kind of like, yo, Eugene, this is not a good look, but whatever. I'm, I'm in now. I turn around to ring the bell. Something comes splashing towards me. They threw something at me. And so at that point, I say, hey, why don't you get out of the car? Why don't you get out of the car and come over here? Yes, I am 60 years old. <laughs> get out of the car and come over here. You know, they say, you come over here. No, 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 I know the deal. I come walking up on the car. They could say, oh, you know, he, we thought he was going to carjack us because this is the zeitgeist, you know? And so, um, um, so I get one of the things I gave Ruby for Christmas, which I finally got a chance to give her a Christmas gift 
was uh, I always give my kids weapons. <laughs> so I hear her actuate this weapon behind me. And I was like, okay, now, now we're getting like, there. I said, come out. They won't come out. They say, come over. I'm not coming over. So we're just hollering back and forth at this point. I see her, her girlfriend, also her workmate, hiding behind the building. And I'm like, she's British. I'm like, ah, oh, man, that this is this is a this is a bad look for me <laughs> in terms of the, fa- the father. The, the, in terms of the father uh, sweepstakes, this is a bad look, you know. And of course, I. I Look, I don't even want to get in deeper into the story about how bad it came. Finally, somebody opens the door so I can get the kids in, you know, and um, the woman goes, like, whoa, 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 what do you do? And they're there first. And I go, I turn my head around the door and uh, I go, I'm Eugene. And she goes, oh, oh, uh, I only thought there was going to be one of you. I, that's why I was you know, pausing at the, the women and, and I heard some screaming out here. I go, yeah, that was me. So we get inside and I go, hey, um, you guys, um, you know what? I forgot my phone in the car. So you kids make yourselves comfortable. I'm going back outside because I saw that they had parked around the corner, like parked right there. Right. And they're like, dad, Ruby's like, dad, don't go out. I'm like, kid, don't just I'm like, don't worry. It's not I'm just going to the car just to get my, you know, my phone. And I, I go downstairs. I close out the door. <laughs> You guys who have listened to the show long enough, you can fill in the blanks comfortably here. This is a public show. I don't have to say stuff. So I go across the street. I stroll across the street. I get my phone. I stroll back and, and they leave. And I get I get back upstairs. They let me in right away and rehearse without without further incident. They asked Ruby to be in the show, which is as the father makes me really happy. But I've been bothered by this. I've been bothered by this because um, because um, I've often said in the past, I've often been said in the past, that the best part of having control is losing it. I did not, but keep in mind that moment of clarity that Maldubius is talking about is was was extant all throughout because I knew they wouldn't have done it to me if I w- was alone. I knew they did it to me because there, there were women involved. And, and um, I knew they continued because of, of the fact that there, there were women involved. There's no way you pitch that kind of shit against a, a single man who looks like me at nighttime in San Francisco, uh, who's got his hands in his pockets, you know, because they were cold. So it just seemed it seemed like I was like the, like the dark night, like I was doing some kind of like fight, fighting, make the good, making right, this evil wrong. But at the same time, I'm 60 years old. I got too many people who depend on me. What the fuck am I doing doing this? So flip to the Florida school bus fight and Tom DeBlast offering these free lessons to this girl, which is great. And I'm starting to think, Jesus Christ, we're in this shoebox where we're are, are, are like uh, like in the Godfather, they talk about you know these puppets on strings where we're being yanked and jerked around by forces outside of our control. And I've avoided this piece because, like any person of color, will tell you you hear about something, some shit. There's a guy in Wisconsin, and and he's eating people. They found him. He's his name is Jeffrey Dahmer, and everybody in America at this point now, if you're a person of color, like, oh, please don't let him be black. 
please. So the, the Latino guys are like, oh, please don't let them be Puerto Rican. Don't let them be, you know, gay guys. Like, oh, please don't let them be gay. Oh, well, he's a white guy. <laughs> oh, he's a white gay guy. Oh. So we're all in our little identity silos. So I kind of take a glimpse at the video and uh, I see the girl is white or a non person of color, whatever. And I see one of the attackers appears to be white. And I'm like, okay, you know what? This is a tempest in a teapot. The kids get in these fights all the time. But then the mistake I make is I feel bold enough to watch the whole video. And then I see that the older attacker who looks older um, is, uh, is, is black. And then the person who I thought was white, who was beating him, Hey, welcome to your black, your, your show stomp of black history month, incidentally, um, is probably biracial and they're just beating the fuck out of this little girl on the bus. Um, don't know why I, I know it's being filmed and I know the adults are on the bus because I don't think nine-year-olds can drive buses. So, uh, I mean, they, they're probably fully capable, not licensable. So, um, so, um, uh, I watched this whole fucking thing and I shit and, and then on a third track on a third rail, important, uh, there's a sweet shop, what we used to call sweet shop. If you ever watched the Bowery boys, East side comedy, you know, sweet shop is a convenience store where you could buy ice cream on the lower East side, right near Tompkins square park, right where I first met Vinny stigma for the first time. It was like not a hardcore hangout, but all the hardcore guys who grew up in the lower East side would go to there, and get food. And then when hardcore hit, we would go there and get stuff. The guy who ran it still fucking alive. He's in his nineties. He goes outside. He's there every day, right? Goes outside. Some guy walks up to him and says, Hey, I got a bunch of waters. I mean, clearly something, maybe a dude stole from, CB. I don't know, whatever. I don't know where he got it from. He wanted to sell a guy a bunch of waters. The guy declined to buy them. 90-year-old man. 90-plus. And the guy was, fuck you. He beats him up. So he, what he doesn't know is that this guy's connected to the hardcore community by way of just, you know, if you couldn't afford it, he would give you. And so everybody starts to say, hey, this is not snitching. This is old-style fucking street justice. Let's get this guy. Well, eventually, I mean, it's a police station down the Lower East Side there. They actually got to work and they got the guy. I mean, it was not that hard. The guy walking around with a tub full of water or whatever. They got him. That guy was black. The guy running the store is white. And I start to say, like, you know, BB Netanyahu, which I talk about in the Substack, you know, his beleaguered BB because he's a, a, a straight up criminal as far as I'm concerned. But he did say, he said, given the history of my people on this planet, if I have a choice between underreacting and overreacting, I'm going to choose the latter. <laughs> so I start to think like some there's something happening here and what it is ain't exactly clear. But it seems like, you know, Murdoch is kind of sitting around. Um, and like I say in the piece, there are Murdochs at this point sitting around, um, you know, stage managing a reality that he's got nothing to do with. You, you know what? I, I, listen, I talked to somebody. I talked to a bunch of Brits about about Brexit. And I go, what do you what do you think? And some of the Brits listened to the show and got, contacted me offline and said, Eugene, I haven't had a job for 10 years. Nothing could be worse than this. Fuck it. I'm with Brexit all the way. So they, they invited Steve Bannon over and they, you know, speak the same language or favored nation status. You know, uh, they just the, the, the tonality of the Trump era, the combative thing, the, the, the this this is the apotheosis of of what of what uh, Murdoch has been pushing in the U.S. since 1976 when he when he took over the New York Post. 
that was his first entry into the, the U.S. market as far as I could say. Now it was Vice, MySpace, Wall Street Journal, Fox News, uh, 20th Century Fox, the whole bit, the whole shit and shamir. And it's this constant and continual drumbeat of the world is falling apart, but in a very specific way. Yeah, I've been trying to find that out about the six-year-old. I've been trying to find that out. The fact that it's being held from us, you know, they show kids the candlelight vigils and a lot of African-Americans there. I don't I don't know. But there will be some, generally, if it's held from us, the kid is, is, is white, right? So we know about Dylan Roof and about him being hamburgers and kind of gently escorted into the car and, you know... Um, there is a discrepancy in how the fourth estate functions with communities of color, beleaguered people who, who maybe need a little bit more love. You know, uh, protesters versus looters. You know, this is, I, I'm not going conspiracy crazy here. It's right there. The guy's got no, it don't, because his daughter used to be married to a black guy. Don't tell me that this guy is enlightened. It sells papers. It's an algorithm, but there's also something else driving it, Right. There's also something else driving it. And I don't, I haven't put my finger by the end of the piece. I don't say, I just kind of go with Batman. Like some people like to watch the world burn. I don't know. I don't know. This has been a meditation of mine because I have to go back to San Francisco on Friday. This rehearsal was earlier in the week. The show is actually on Friday. The sketch fest show that I start talking about. Now it's at the Great American Music Hall. Great American Music Hall is next to uh, what used to be the Mitchell Brothers Theater, where uh, Behind the Green Door was filmed. Mitchell Brothers famously one shot the other. Uh, Marilyn Chambers, where well, used to be a fantastic kind of strip club as strip clubs go, but it was a really nice theater, you know, um, boarded up, graffiti stained, shit on the walls. San Francisco, where I, I parked right across the street, um, <laughs> they tried to tow my car. Somebody runs in screaming, screaming, you know, um, you know, uh, and they're like, Eugene, about to run out and they got the car up on the rack. Once they get that car up on the rack, I mean, it's apropos for this whole repo man thing. They never take it off. And I walk across the street and the whole crew is screaming, you know, he's here, he's here, he's here. And I just start, you know, doing the, the and um, the meter mate is black. The tow truck driver is Mexican. None of them say anything. And she only looks at me once. But at that point, it all becomes silent kabuki theater, right? Like he, without, as far as I know, communicating anything with her, lowers it. I didn't expect that. I can't. I didn't come out with an attitude. I was just like, I'm over here and I'm here. And and she looks at me and she whatever. There was some silent. They let it down, and then some guy starts hit, hit, hitting me up for money. Homeless guy. He has a medallion on, it's St. Jude, he needs some help. He's about 22 years old, a white cat. And uh, I'm like, bro, it's bad time. Bad time, because I don't know if they're going to take the car. I don't know what's going to happen here. And he's like, well, but just a little bit can help. I said, I, can't, I don't have anything. He goes, you have this. I go, yeah, this is what they're about to tow. So now I got these twin engines working against me, and I can feel like the Hulk, right? Like the frustration, you know rising i got the people from the club who are watching these are now professional you know associates i can't have i, I get a lot of things working on me i said i'm sorry i can't help you and he then he starts screaming 
Like he starts screaming, but he gets far enough away from me that whatever, he's screaming at the, the black woman who's behind me. Like, I don't want her to get hurt, whatever. I'm getting the car. I look in the rearview mirror. The tow truck driver pulls off. I pull the fuck out of there. Okay. The city, it's a rig. They only tow away between 455 and 555. You can park right up until then, and you can park right after then. They have some civil engineer has made a determination that that's a tollway time. If they had towed that thing away, not only would I have to go to one of the worst neighborhoods in San Francisco to get it, but it would have been $700, which would very much eat into my fee for the evening. As it is, I have to pay the fucking babysitter, and now I got to pay because I'm driving through the shitty neighborhood. I see, oh, that was nice of them to let me go, and I see this thing fluttering on the thing. I go, stoplight, I reach around, $108 fucking ticket. Everybody's going, well, you got off lucky, lucky. So I'm driving around the Tenderloin. I'm driving, looking for a parking spot, and it's this, uh, yeah, JB, you knew that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that until the day after. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Anyway, I'll get into that in a bit. So the Jack Black thing. So I'm driving, and there's this effluvia of desiccated humanity, like people with their asses in the air, face down on the sidewalk, you know, uh, a wide variety of different different colors, you know, but the vast majority of them were we're African American, right? Um, so, um, so this is in San Francisco, a city I've I've been exposed to since 1980, um, in a state California that I've been in since 1980 that had a 97 billion dollar budget surplus that they tried to cut some money for homeless people, and then they said, well, that wasn't enough. So Gavin Newsom, the uh, the Democratic governor with political national political aspirations, vetoed it. So the enemy of, of well, in this instance, we know what no, not good is. It's nothing. And literally speaking, this is a problem. It's like not having cash is not the problem. There are people out in the street, like the 20-year-old guy, clearly probably has a home somewhere. Probably has a home somewhere. So now, I, so now given I played light, the black guy in Repo Man is the guy who I'm doing live. So I, I, I just say, fuck this. I'm out. I parked the parking garage. I paid the 20 bucks. I, I'm fine. I didn't want to do that. I park in the street for free. Usually I can park right in front. That or whatever. I can't. I got there early enough to do that. Couldn't do it. I go back in and, you know, I put on, I get my outfit on, which is now I got to take to the cleaners. And, um, and so uh, we, Ruby shows up and, you know, everything seems to be okay. Like I haven't shot anybody. I haven't, I just think, man, Jesus Christ, I just got, I got to make it to Spain. I just got to get to Spain, man. It's just like when I left New York and I'm getting into street fights and getting my head cored out with broken bottles by these like, man, I just got to get to California. I just, this is, and right after that, Yusef Hawkins was killed in the same neighborhood where I got the street fight, where I got my ear cord out with the broken bottle. So it's not like I'm being unduly, unduly paranoid about this stuff. Um, so we do the do the show, and um, <laughs> um, um, I, I share a dressing room downstairs with Xander Schloss, who used to be in the Circle Jerks. Uh, but he was in the Circle Jerks. Like my first show ever was with the Circle Jerks. And um, so he wasn't in the band then. So he w- was not playing in the band then. Uh, but we probably know a lot of the same people. He's gone on to do uh, uh, 
No, the line that the line on the song is not getting the car, white boy. The line in the song is getting the car, boy. The, the one thing, and I'll share with you now that I haven't shared with anybody, they said, listen, we want you to do the original last line, which is, uh, you know how to tell when your woman really loves you? If she'll have your dog. Now, that's what you know from the song, Bad Man. And that's probably what you remember from the movie. Apparently, according to Alex Cox, the original line was, you know how to tell when your woman really loves you? If she'll fuck your dog. And so the director of this puts it out there, not Alex Cox, but Mark Capel puts it out there. We'd like you to do the, the original line, but it puts it like a challenge. I mean, if you're brave enough, I go, yeah, fuck, I'm no, never accused me of not being brave. But I start sitting on that. I, this is like, this is so well known. This movie is so on uh, this cult audience that I'm going to give the real line without any explanation in the program about what the real line is. People are going to think Eugene's lost his fucking mind. He's lost his mind in a really unattractive way. Well, how do we get to bestiality? Suddenly we're at bestiality. That's where we are. Bestiality. So I think about it and I tell a dude and I put the picture up on Instagram. So if you follow me from Instagram, that's right when I say that I'm not doing that line. <laughs> and he goes, well, the, uh, and Alex is right there. And he goes, don't do the line, man. We had two lines to use. We felt it was a little too much. So we used have instead. But you said, you know, if she'll feed your dog, you can, you can say whatever you want. And I was like, I'll say the original line as it is. Go run me out here. Get me so fucking sucked up into some Me Too moment. Bullshit on that. <laughs> I've been trying to explain for the next 10 years about dog fucking. It's got nothing to do with me. So then after the show, uh, which went off uh, 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 great, because it's like I virtually know the th- the piece uh, by, by heart. And uh, I'm downstairs, and I see some guy. And... Uh, you know, he's like a normal-looking guy, and it looks vaguely familiar to me. But you know, Oxbow has played has played great American musical, so I don't know. So we're leaving. The guy looks at me and he goes, "Hey, man, that was great. I really enjoyed that." I was like, "Ah, thank you." I go, "Hey, man, that's that's a great fucking suit you got on." I like touched the fabric. It's like Kitakin's wool. You know, I used to work at a fashion magazine. He's like, "Yeah," and so we stand there bullshitting for about ten minutes about talking about this and that. I was like, "Yeah, well, anyway, see you later, buddy. Gotta go. Yeah, gotta leave." And uh, then I'm talking to uh, this guy, his, his name is Larry. His real name is Larry, but he works in the stage name Toby Dammit. And I'm talking to him about speaking a little German with him. And then we blast on out of there. Get home. Next day, so going through the program, looking at it. It's like, oh, that's, that's fucking Bruce Campbell. That's Bruce Campbell I was talking to. I, I got Evil Dead. Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2, Army of Dead. How could I, I could have been so stupid? How could I be? Ah, I, I wanted to kill myself. I literally wanted to kill. I was like, you know, they're, they're not many times. Listen, I have told you the story about Starsky from Starsky at Hutch, meeting him and then that whole weird thing where he's giving me the high hand, which I was a huge fan. So I'm going to freeze you out. I'm going to ignore you. And then he was unhappy with that, wouldn't let me, and stood in front of me, like looking for some acknowledgement. And I go, hey, man, love your work. He's like, thank you. So there's this weird dance between famous people. But Bruce, it was totally normal. And if it's somebody who, who I really dig, if I don't get attitude like I got from Starsky, you know, Paul Michael Glazer right up front, I'm in, man. I'm like, if I were to see Robert Blake on the street, 
I'm sorry. I know you killed your wife, but I just, man, I love you, Bobby. Bobby, I'm a huge fan. I mean, could you record a voicemail message for me? I'm at your house from Lost Highway. Any, you know, huge fan. So that's it. That's it. That's Bruce Campbell. And this is a family tradition, you know, just, uh, you know, the worst case was a, a friend of mine who uh, met Brad Pitt. Yeah, had no idea who he was. She doesn't, she's not in the movies. Doesn't watch movies, doesn't watch TV, and was in a dog food store. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I would meet David Lynch, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't fanboy out with David Lynch. I, 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 I like him, um, but, but see, that's the thing—you can't tell who you're going to fanboy out with. You think you can, you think you can, but then you get like the first time I did it was a Night of the Champions at the Beacon Theater in New York City, 1977. It was the first bodybuilding show I went to. And I go, yeah, I'm going to go. I can meet the bodybuilders at the hotel, get some autographs. We went up, me and a buddy. He wasn't into it, but I was. I went there and I lost my fucking mind. Absolutely. But, you know, people you meet, John Waters. Hey, he's like, hey, John, you know, George Clinton. Hey, how you doing? Hey, you know, feel pretty normal. And um, Timothy Leary. Hey, you know, Tommy Lee. I fuck you, boo. I mean, you know, to the people that you meet. Uh, but then, like, like you know, Billy Bob Thornton and Evie Zig was a zag. I fuck, I love this guy. This this is the fucking, this guy is the fucking man, Billy Bob. And at the end, you know, he was picking up on my enthusiasm. He gave me some shit. And they said, he never gives anything to anybody. So it's unreliable. It's unreliable. But anyway, uh, I fucking blew it with Bruce. So that's why I put his name in the title. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, at the conclusion of the show, I'm going to tweet this to him. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> oh shit. Did I invite you to dinner? Did I invite you to dinner before the show in Philly? Did I really? Ah, man, that sounds uncharacteristic. Did I pay? Uh, did I say anything rude? <laughs> so, so anyway, anyway, yeah, it's, it was heavy. It was a great show. Um, and, uh, I, I was really, really excited to, to actually have uh, done it. And I think I, you'll be glad to know, I think I comported myself well. I didn't embarrass the home team and that's all that matters. Uh, 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 uh no, no, that, 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 that's okay. Well, I would have probably bought you something if you had told me the story about the the money on parking, but you should have parked because otherwise you end up with me. That's not the point. The point is that was a good night for team old dude. I was one of the youngest guys there. If you, if you, if you can believe Oxbow, it will be coming uh, to Chicago, even though we've never played a good show in Chicago. The, the reality of it is we will be there first Europe in, in uh, September, and then we'll chip away. we got, we got to do fly-ins. So whatever we can get to in a Thursday to Sunday period that we'll do. So we'll make a decision, Wisconsin, and then fly out. And then same with the South and then Northeast and South, Southeast and Southwest and so on. So, um, but that was a good night for Friday night was a good night for team old dude. It was a very, very uh, good night um, for team old dude. Saturday night, last night, was very much not a good night for Team Old Dude. Uh huh. Not a good night uh, 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 for for uh, uh, for the, for Team Old Dude. In fact, I, I, l- listen. Let me tell you. Um, I only watched two fights because I only cared about two fights. Um, 
And and because I'm on an anti-Bellator, okay, I watched that post facto. Um, but it, it was it was a bullion base of horror. Now the first fight, the uh, Japanese undefeated 13 and 0. Now Japanese guy, uh, that was great. I have to say the fight that kicked it off. Uh, I can't know how to pronounce his name now. I'm not. I'm, I'm a short termer for this MMA shit. But uh, Tatsua, I think, is some some such thing. If you look it up and put it there, because I feel like an ass not remembering his name, because it really was an exciting fight. The guy gets caught in the, the other fighter's signature move, which is a guillotine put on so hard you could see the like the outline of his spine against his back it was it was it was hard it was a hard guillotine and i have to tell you um listen let me let me explain to you how you the best way to apply a, a hole like the guillotine when i'm going against guys who um uh 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 when I'm going against guys who don't know what they're doing and they put the guillotine on, typically they'll go like this and I'll, and I'll tighten up my neck. right? And I could do that all day. Now, when I do it, I ratchet. I go, eh. guy doesn't tap. I go, eh. guy doesn't tap. I do a little bit. Eh. A guy does a tap, little boy, you know. Uh, uh, and so, so he doesn't know where the ceiling is. And there's a point at which I go like one to two, two to three, three to five, five to seven. And usually the guy from five to seven, the guy goes, I don't know where this ceiling is going to, but I got to get the fuck out. And he'll tap. Dude had a presence of mind not to tap, didn't tap, popped his head out. And at that point, the dude who was trying to put on his left arm is shot. He uh, he got mount and submitted in short order. It is great combat jujitsu, if that's what you want to call it. I really appreciate that. Um, the, the Bellator thing is when they uh, tried to sue me over one of their fighters saying that he was offered a deal by Scott Coker. To uh, the deal was uh, if you take this fighter named Brian Schwartz, if you get him, if you get him to the ground, don't take, don't ground fight with him. You know, because we're trying to build him up and I'll give you four fights out of it. And uh, um, and it was, I was watching the fight and he knocks this guy, Brian Schwartz, down, who owns a gym up here called Undisputed. And uh, and uh, and I, I'm watching the fight live down in San Jose, you know, and I see him knock the guy down. He's about to jump on him. And then he, he stops and he goes, come on, get up. And I then I'm leaving. I see the guy in the airport. I got my phone. I record an interview with him for an early version of Knuckle Up. And I go, why'd you do that? That was so weird. And he's like, well, at the, pre, at the fighters rules meeting, this is what was explained to me. And I talked about that on the show. I get a call from CBS lawyers. They're threatening to sue. I said, you want to hear the tape? And then definitely they switch like, these guys are your friends. You really want to hurt your friends? All we're asking is for you to take a second of your 1.7 seconds of your show out, you know? And I was like, man, they got me with the friend thing. Cause I used to be friends with Kogan and, you know, Scott Coker. I've done articles on Scott Coker, very, very friendly, San Jose, small community. And so I had June cut out the 1.7 seconds. And, but then I started thinking, if I can't cover you guys, honestly, then you're out. Dude, fuck it. You're done. I'm not, I'm not going to play this game. So I'm out. I don't, I don't really talk about Bellator anymore. Um, and then I found out that Kogan called up Sorrell was like, what is that? Blah, 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 blah. It's like, Hey man, Hey man, don't make me run the fucking tape. 
okay. Like, don't. So anyway, so um, so that first fight was great. I watch a couple of the other ones half as I'm like, ah, I want to hang out with my kid. I don't want to, I don't want to watch this. I don't know. I'm out. Um, but I go back in and it was easy to walk the, watch the, uh, the Derek Lewis fight because it was over and you almost feel stupid. Like I picked him and you almost like, okay, dude's been doing cardio, lost a bunch of weight, waiting at 265. I almost feel stupid because it's not like this combat Sambo guy, Spivak, did anything that nobody's been able to say. Like, it's not like, he's not like Czech Congo, where over time, he's gotten better on the ground. Or Overeem, where over time, he's gotten better off the ground. Black Beast has just managed to make his deficiencies work for him by making guys scared enough that they stutter step in for a shot and they get clipped, right? Like uh, Curtis Blades, they get clipped. He's out of the top 10 now. So the question I had on care, don't care is, is he, does he make his peace as an executive gatekeeper? And they said, well, yeah, but we don't even think, I think Steph said, we don't even think that he's an executive gatekeeper. We don't believe that. We believe at this point now that dude is probably a gatekeeper from the top 10. If you're 11, if you're anywhere from 11 to 20, you got to get through him, which means that they don't think he can hang with anybody with who's at five through 10. You can't hang with anybody who's five through ten. Yowza. Sad story. Dude's 37 years old. And I love Spivak's backstory. You watched the package. It was great. It was great. But of course, he's from Russia, so he's being jobbed. He's probably being being paid in 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 you know herring. I don't know. The other team old guy thing was uh, uh, if you watch now, Ryan Bader is a friend of Knuckle Up. He's a Foku. Uh, was on the show early on in his career. He was really personable. I really liked the guy. I got nothing bad to say about Ryan. And he was like, if I got to be the bad guy for this, I got to be the bad guy for this because his, his, his unspoken rejoinder to that is what is the choice? What is the option? Guy's retiring. What, I'm going to lose to him to make him feel better? This is a dog-eat-dog world. He knew, like Mr. Marcus said, knew what the job was when you took it. You knew what the job was when you took it. So uh, he, he beats the fuck out of Fedor. Now, you know, and then the bald one has opened up his pie hole over this whole, they're like, I never thought he was that good anyway. Yeah, bro. You know when he was good? When you could have booked that Randy Couture fight, which you're still trying to relitigate. Because you're sensitive to the calls that you're a sport killer and people are bringing that up and you're covering your ass. Why? Why do you give a shit? You talk so much about how you don't give a shit, but it's clear that you totally give a shit. Stop it. Stop it. But, you know, you know, the, the M.O. here slapped the wife. Ah, OK, well, what about this dude assaulted some woman who jumped off her off his fucking limo in Ibiza, where if if <laughs> where I have no doubt that he was dancing on a look. Yeah, the room smells. I got a like like an ancient aristocrat. I got some Christmas perfume, which I got to put on because the room smells. Why? Because I keep all my jujitsu shit in here. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. yeah, right here. Like, right here. <laughs> it's like I can't just put little, like, earplugs up my nose so I don't have to smell it. So, uh, um, you, you know, it uh, uh, guy's a sport killer. 
He's a sport killer. And so, you know, the, the whole oopsie game at this point is distract, deflect, distract, deflect. And these stories, oh, chase the woman off the lot, get hit by a car. They never found the guy who hit him in the car. They never found the guy who hit him in the car. But you know what they did find? They found the car of the woman who accused him of assaulting her on the fucking yacht in Ibiza burned to the ground. Yeah, that's Popeye, man. Popeye ripping ones under the desk when I was doing the show. JB remembers that. That was rough. Yeah, it's rough. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly now thinking about getting another dog, but I haven't figured out if that's a here thing or, or a, uh, um, or a, uh, uh, a here thing or a Spain thing. Um, hey, 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 uh, uh, Mr. Vo, I, I will answer your question. I haven't been able to get to it because I've been too busy. I will answer your question about the recession. If you give me the okay, I'll answer it on the show versus having to write on text. But, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I do. I put, uh, uh, um, I did put fabric soft in that stuff, and then it was like making my dick itch. But you don't need to know that. So, so, so anyway, he, he's trying to. Um, I will. Um, so he, he's trying to. He's trying to you know, distract, deflect, distract. And so what, what news do they deliver? The car gets burned down. Oh, guess who's fighting Michael Chandler this year? And everybody's all, the, you know, the, the goldfish attention, MMA uh, fan-based media is like, oh, let's, let's look over here because now there's something shiny over here now. It's like, man, when I call this sport the red light district of sports, I'm not fucking kidding. You can't get you can't get a larger number of pieces of shit together in one place. You know, I honest to God, I don't I don't believe this is like and I tried to tell my friends who were like, oh, I love all these like outlaw characters. No, you don't. No, you don't, man. Like you say you love Trump. You couldn't spend 10 minutes. And so you, you know what you need to watch? You need to watch that old Saturday Night Live where somebody wins a dream date with Diamond Dave Roth, David Lee Roth. It was it wasn't the real David Lee Roth. It was somebody imitating David Lee Roth. But it was like I think an old SNL skit. And that's what it's like. That's what it's like. <laughs> no, these Showtime folks. Now I was like, yeah, you you do the show. Yeah, well, I guarantee you, Mal Dubious would say that probably sitting with me at dinner was like sitting with me at the show. There wasn't. I wasn't jumping up on the table with a cardboard cut out of my face on my face. Look, Connor's got to do this show for a couple of reasons. One, he's got this movie coming out, and I got Endeavor. If you don't think this is part of the total marketing plan, you're absolutely wrong. He's going to be on the show every week in a run-up to this movie, and then there's a fight. Question is, can he beat Chandler? It depends on how heavy Chandler's envelope is. You know, Chandler gets a big payday from this win or lose, so why not win? We'll see. He's also prone to stupid mistakes. We'll see. But that's not the issue. This guy is a yacht, anal raping, assaulting, yacht driving, dancing on tables in Ibiza, steroid using, coke head, allegedly, 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 allegedly. This guy should not be part of any fight organization. He he is one step above the flash. As far as I know, he has not started a cult of any kind. And is not trying to have sex with underage boys. But what do I know? He is sending stuff out on Twitter of uh, guys masturbating. Now, I know plenty of guys who have told me, Eugene, we like to watch gay porn. I go, what, together? Yes. 
we think it's hilarious. I go, I got a pretty good sense of humor, but I don't think that's hilarious. And they're like, well, that's just because you're, you're uptight. I go, okay, well, what are you watching? And this guy proceeds to tell me this video called something the guy's called like the Holland Tunnel or the Brooklyn Tunnel or something uh, something like that, you know. Um, and uh, and I go, well, this is okay, you know, I don't need, need to hear too much more about the movie, you know. So it's got anal sex. I'm not I'm not a kid. Ooh, whoop de doo. And uh, and he's like, yeah, you know. So eight hours later, and I, I go, the movie's eight hours long. He goes, no, we watched other movies. I go, you guys watch eight hours of gay porn? He's like, yeah. What's the matter with that? <laughs> well, I don't know. Let's ask Conor McGregor. Anal rapist Conor McGregor, who apparently likes to spend his time on Twitter, thumbs up in guys who are masturbating in their... Uh, can you have that on Twitter nowadays? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I, I Look, I don't know. So it's, you know, this is going to continue. In other words, in other words, very much like the Dr. Dre quote that precipitated kind of a rethink of this. It's like, you got to go, you got to go. You're at a party, you know, you know, you got to, you're at a party and you don't like the party. You got to go, man. And this fight next week of which there are 13 fights on the card, Volkanovsky against Islam. Uh, uh, I have, interesting enough, four cares in the card. Uh, it's still underwater. It's not. It's not over five hundred. There, the Islam and Volkanovsky are pissed off because there's been no press because all of the attention is being diverted to the PSL. And if we want to go back to from the PSL to to Endeavor, it would be PBR. Uh, so uh, look, I, uh, they're pissed off about it. You know, it is a pay per view fight. It's an underwater pay-per-view fight. I got four cares on that fight. And only one of those cares, one of those cares is somebody that doesn't pass the gins, the John Nash scale of significance. Loopy. I like her. I just picked it. So that's how I got to four. Otherwise, it would be three out of 13 or 14. We're in, look, I don't know if I I just I don't know if I watched it or if I if I retweeted out that somebody made a clip, a fan clip of John Jones. You know, where the part where he's telling is that I will kill you. I will literally kill you, uh, DC. And that is the only, this is the only reason why I'm I'm here. That in the memoir. I'm in. But, uh, you know, I've never been a sports guy. I've lived my whole life outside of minor flirtation with bodybuilding, um, which I still sort of pay attention to. And you can pay attention to on a, on a lower key level. You know, I lift where you can lift weights. You don't have to pay attention. But, um, you know. Like I don't, I don't need to be here. And now everything, um, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And and look, everything is up in the air at at bloody elbow. Everything is up in the air. Nobody knows what's going on, right? So, um, <laughs> at the end of the month, how many days are in February? Um, at the end of the, how, I'm looking right now, I'll tell you, well, I should know this, 28 days in February. So as of Tuesday, as of Tuesday, look, it does okay if the shoes fit, it's not on, it's not on bloody elbow anymore. Sometimes they give us a little love and point us in that direction. Uh, the only show I do that's still on, on bloody elbow is Care Don't Care. But that means as of February 28th, I'm not drawing any more money from Vox for, for doing Care Don't Care. And I don't like working for free. Um, so, so, 
what are the signs that I'm getting that I should be listening to? Uh, you know, look, whatever. So, um, um, so I'm going to, I want to address, cause this ties into my ending point. I want to address something that, uh, Mr. VO had asked me and, and, um, and I'll just, this is, this is like mail. So this is like show mail. He's asking how the foot's now I got surgery coming up February 24th. So, uh, uh, yeah, 10 minutes is an eternity. Like when I was running skull game and we had people review porn and would drop off 10 DVDs at the house. Then they realize this is misery. Anyway, I get the surgery on February 24th. They're going to give me general anesthesia. If I am not dead, they said two weeks in the old days when you remember the cartoons where the dog had his foot in the sling, that's where we would have you, have you in the hospital with your foot in a sling for two weeks. Not walking around, no driving, going to the bathroom, laying back on the couch. That's it. I'm like, okay. He goes, no, okay. If you want a good outcome, you do this. Keep the fluid out of your foot so it can heal. It's like, all right, relax. And I go, at least I'll feel better when it's over. He goes, I don't guarantee that. <laughs> it's like the perfect doctor for me recommended by whipping boys old guitar player who was an orthopedic surgeon for years the guy is supposed to be a national authority on achilles injuries so he's gonna he's gonna debride it shave the bone down and uh look I, if, if robbie lawler's lip can last i can last on this but if they kill me with the general anesthesia because the, the doctors that abuse drugs more often than anybody else anesthesiologists if they kill me I'm going to ask you now, like I asked everybody in jujitsu, avenge my death. Yeah, 80%, it returns me 80% functioning, which he's not even guaranteeing. However, uh, if it doesn't work out, if it's still miserable going, you know, as a year progresses, there's always that other option, which has me out for a fucking year. I'm not doing it. I got, I, I can't, right up to Spain. I got, I got the, the Bunuel next record is a double album. I got Oxbow shows. I got the memoir. I got to be on the road. Uh, so I, you know what I bought myself? Let's just keep this between us. <laughs> I bought myself, uh, it's a, it looks like a cane. Cause I imagine I might need to use a cane to walk and defend myself, but it doubles as a, you know, yes, propofol and ketamine. Sounds like a night at Michael Jackson's house. Uh, so, so anyway, so I'm going to read you, uh, uh, uh VO's <laughs> sword. <laughs> Who brings a sword to a gunfight, my friend? <laughs> so listen, I'm going to read. He says, I want to know your thoughts uh, on what many are saying about a recession on the rise. Uh, just got laid off last Thursday, like damn bloody elbow. You read an article about projected 700,000 lost in jobs. What are you seeing and thinking? Okay, I just got news. Uh, and I don't want you getting you playing the stock market right now. I got news that the HoloLens folks at Microsoft this coming week are going to have massive layoffs, right? They killed, it was an army contract. The got, contract got pulled. There's going to massive layoffs. These are very real jobs, engineering jobs. They're going to get rid of these people quitting. All right. They got, but listen, let me tell you something. It's got to be something in Machiavelli. I remember at the worst, when I was at Ozzy, the worst, most dispiriting time there when the attrition rate was going nuts and people were quitting. Um, they were still firing people apace along the lines of you can't quit. I fire. I, you, you, you can't quit. You're fired. The idea, um, the idea. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it didn't make sick the guys who were bringing them in who shouldn't have been bringing them into jujitsu. It didn't make us sick. But I experimented with some of those when I was at Mac Life, and they made me sick for about a week. The watching movies as close to my eyes was not good. So, um, so a, uh, the most dispiriting thing was when, you know, and I think it's got to be some biz school, some Wharton thing, no matter how bad the attrition is. I know how to maintain control of your ship, you still have to be in control and you do that by exercising the most aggressive right that the manager has getting rid of people you know so you what, what do you do people are quitting and morale is bad get rid of people until you can steady that fucking ship but you maintain control you can't quit i'm fine well we only have three people i don't care you're fired so on the one hand they're adjusting it to, to improve their stock position because you have if you see that uh, uh, Apple didn't deliver their numbers and their stock went through the roof the other day. It went up to 152, the highest it's been as far as I consider in 2023 so far. Or even maybe four months, past four months. So all these moves that companies make that seem anti, um, anti-worker are, are, are pro-stock. So um, I, I don't think I don't, I said today and uh, Marty G got really pissed off at me because you keep saying he's not real. I go, you're missing the point. I'm going macro on this. There's no compelling business reason to make these reorganizational ju- uh, 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 changes. No reason. He goes, yeah, people are buying, you know, the economy. It's not fucking, it's fantasy. And he goes, it's not fantasy. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, it's, it, 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 they do hire some of these people. I've even been retained on, on, as a consultant at, at Wong Duty to help with some stuff there. They extended my health care, and they, they, I'm now doing stuff for the, the co-founder. I'm not telling tales out of school. That's what he wrote me. Decided I was needed after all. Fine. So, uh, I mean, not the same salary. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. I got the health insurance in America. That's that's the biggest issue. So I'm saying that um, they're improving their, their positioning paper. And Marty G gets angry and says, hey, listen, uh, you, you keep saying that this is bullshit. It's not bullshit. And I go, what, when have you not pulled the trigger on anything you've wanted? He goes, well, I, 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 I was going to buy a VR set. I didn't buy that. I go, how much is that? He goes, $1,500. Okay, well, you know what? I'm not making $1,500 purchases either. I'm not doing that either. Okay. I'm not doing that. However, I'm not really denying myself much of anything, but that's I'm still living like a punk rock guy. I was in college, you know. I don't, you know, if I wasn't married, man, I'd be sitting doing the show from a milk crate, which was my primary decor up until I started living with women. So, uh, and I'm not saying I don't have an interest in interior design. I do have an interest. I like to have nice stuff around me. Well, you got to pay for that nice stuff. And I'm flinty, also broke. So you got to understand, this move to Spain is precipitated by me selling every single thing. And let me tell you something. I almost made a tactical error. Jabi, a uh, guitar player for Bunuel, was over here staying at, well, Anna Paula made the video a couple of weeks ago. Took him for a ride in the 65 Chevy. And he goes, you should take this to Europe. I go, man, I don't want to drive. The streets are so narrow in Mijas. You don't want to. <laughs> you could sell this for over $100,000 in Europe. 
I go, what? I talked to some people who moved their 57 Chevy. They're French. The husband's French, the wife's American. They moved it over from Petaluma to, to France, $5,000. They could turn around and sell that for $100,000. These are hard to find. Nobody wants to go through the trouble of shipping it over there. But if they were there, you got, hey, where I'm going to in Spain is full of, of British gangsters. I could sell this thing like that. Of course, it could be a terrible tactical error, but I, I, that's what I'm planning to do. So everything I own to make this move possible is getting liquidated. Every single thing. However, the recession, the recession, so much of the economy is based on what we think. There's a great David Letterman joke about, about uh, a stockbroker came out and was scared by the, the shadow of a small child and uh, the stock market fell 30 points. So I don't believe it's real. I don't believe there are real business justifications for firing all these people. I don't believe these people are unnecessary. I do not believe that. But I believe that these are very real firings. So on the one hand, they're very real firings, totally unnecessary. But that's what's necessary to us and necessary to the function of the company are very different because the whole stock picture is a big, dark box of things that we don't have anything to know. We're, like, why after 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 months and months of the scrape along the bottom is Apple up to 152? It's not like they have a new product out. There have now been glimmers about the Apple car will be ready at 2025, and that's going to be a game changer. If you can put together, if you have $152 right now, you should buy at least an st Apple stock, one share, whatever. Yes, right. Yeah, the Apple didn't do the layoffs yet, but uh, uh, and they're not, uh, so not not planning to, but the stock has been t taking a beating. So, uh, but... Microsoft next week was gonna is gonna be a bloodbath. We just had the same thing at Google. I'm sitting between all these companies here. Intel didn't lay off. They pay cuts and they're scraping. They're all they're, they're fucked. I had been at Intel for two years and they are fucked. They're never coming back. They're never coming back. So it's real, but it's not real. As well, Eugene, how does that make any sense? I'll give you an example. Um People, there's a guy who did an article he wrote for New Times in Broward County. Three guys go out in canoes to do some fishing and camping in the Everglades. The trip takes a turn for the worse. They're fucking, they, they get no signal on the phone. They get lost. Things get fucked up. They're one of the two of the boats get attacked by, everything is fucked up. One guy is just passing out. He's, he's just panicking. So these guys are wading through. They got water moccasins. They're wading through. And, and they turn around. They look. And the guy's got his head trailing in the water. And they go, come on, Jimmy. You can't be drinking this water. You sit up. And, and, uh, and they get back to civilization. And Jimmy's fucking dead. Do an autopsy. Do an autopsy. Hey, look, Jimmy didn't have any medical issues. There were no medical issues for Jimmy. They were only like two miles from their car. The other two guys lived. They were fine. Jimmy really died. He didn't have a heart attack. He just gave the fuck up. 
other two guys were like, well, we tried to be, but he was like, ah, this is it. This is it. The power brokers that be, as far as I'm concerned, they every administration, they do it. They squeeze and they squeeze and they squeeze until they can't squeeze anymore. And everybody who gets sucked under, ah, well, we'll get you the next cycle. The objective is to hold on long enough for that rest period, just like with the guillotine, I would say. The guy who does it, eh, eh. Eh, no work. They ratchet it up, ratchet up, ratchet up. So Marty G says, well, one of the things I've done, I'm not spending. I used to pay off my uh, credit cards every month or pay more than I had to. Can't do that anymore. Now I'm paying the bare minimum. Mistake. Paying the bare minimum. Mistake. I used to put extra down to pay my house off. Should have paid off when you had the money. Mistake. Trying to squeeze you. They don't give a shit. They do not give a shit. You got, I, I, you know, and this is where I come. They make fun of me with the space bears. Ah, oh, Eugene, ah, space bears. I don't have to be faster than the bear, man. I don't have to be faster than the power brokers. I don't have to be more with, I just have to be faster than you. So VO, that's my, that's all I got to say about the recession. It's as real as we want it to be. Or like my porn star friend Olivia used to say, when guys would say, you know, ask her if her big balloony titties were real. She was like, uh, they're as real as you want them to be. <laughs> and that, my friends, is the end of two, two, four, eight of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper. And now I'm going to send it to Bruce. <laughs> I'm going to say it once again, uh, do not die between now and Sunday. This week, Monday, Care Don't Care is at noon. Uh, Bad Boss Brief is at 1230 uh, tomorrow. And, uh, Tuesday, if the shoes fit. Uh, still don't know what's happening into the future of Care Don't Care. So listen to it while you can. Uh, those of you back in New York, you have me for uh, one day next week, the 9th. Um, yeah, I had to pick Islam. I would really, my heart, I really want Volk to win, but watch Care Don't Care. I don't want to, I don't want to cheat the show. Um, anyway, the kid's awake so I could scream. Uh, she's she's hungry and starving outside, and I'll just end the show like I typically do. Look what you made me do! Ah!